0: Listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 55 of the Testudo Times Podcast, where it's five days after Maryland beat. FIU, and we've almost forgotten about how easy that game was. It's weird. Games played on Friday nights on weird TV networks with announcers that sounded like they kind of hated each other. Odd times, but there's a lot to get to with that game and the upcoming contest against UCF on the same television network. Uh, Ryan Connors is here, who now runs Test 2 Times officially. Ryan, uh, what was it like on campus trying to find a place to watch the game?
1: Um, Well, it was pretty great for me because I get CBS Sports Network in my house.
0: Why we, you well, too? But you had to be a certain customer of a cable company. To yeah,
1: we have to. Them. You have to pony up the uh, big bucks, And luckily, I live in a house with five other dudes who like sports as much as I do. Oh, So you pony so, up for
0: cable? Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, we have. Uh, we have all the like the sports channels and stuff. But uh, generally on campus, um, when I venture there, which is not that often, um, people were kind of like. They're like, wait, it's on CBS Sports Network? Like, a lot of people didn't really know until you talked to them about it. And then they're like, well, I guess I'll – it was pretty much either I'll go watch it at Cornerstone or, well, I don't care.
0: Uh, i watched a lot of football at Cornerstone. And uh, let's just say that it, at times it was a great place to watch a game and other times it wasn't. But that's because my sure. game was on one very small TV in the corner usually on Sundays. Uh, Thomas is here, and Thomas lives on campus. So, how did you watch the game on Friday, and presumably, how are you going to watch the game Saturday night?
2: Well, I just went to I just went to Ryan's house, and hey, we covered hey. it. Yeah, it as a group effort. I mean, it, he's like a five-minute walk from my house, as it turns out. So hey, it was just know. a nice little uh, studio times outing. Matt Ellentuck showed up in the second half. Oh,
0: you got the whole band um, together.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Matt yeah. was covering a uh, WNBA game that night.
0: That's fine. Yeah, WNBA, WNBA. I had a little thing with them uh, last night regards to TV and soccer, things I wanted to watch, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, let's try to remember all of the great things from the game against Florida International because there were a lot of them. Uh, I'll start with you, Ryan. Were you surprised that that game ended up being as blig of a, a blig, big of a blowout as it turned out to be?
1: Definitely. I mean, like everyone else, I figured it would be closer. I think in my prediction, I thought it was going to be about a 7- or 10-point game, which... Exactly. Shows you exactly how much I know, but, uh, yeah, I think it was surprising that Maryland did so many things well. And also surprising that Florida international didn't, uh, FIU lost their quarterback, Alex Magoo, uh, pretty early on. And that probably, you know, it's going to be harder to run an offense when you know you're starting quarterback and that I think contributed to some of it, but Maryland's past defense looked pretty good. Um, the run defense for Maryland was kind of the big surprising thing. Uh, FIU ran ran pretty easily for a team that only scored 14 points, and that that's something I'm uh, that's it's something to look at going forward, if uh, if nothing else.
0: We will look at that later on in the show. And Thomas, I mean, Indiana was trailing FIU in the fourth quarter, and if conventional wisdom says that. Maryland and Indiana are roughly equivalent teams, and they probably are. Uh, then Maryland was going to have same sort of struggles with the Golden uh, Panthers, but they didn't. They were way better from the word go. Uh, were you surprised that they were basically thirty points better the entire game?
2: I was definitely surprised. You know, I looked at the Indiana game and I thought, okay, that's a pretty good bellwether for Maryland. You know, going into this game, and I thought Maryland would be kind of I said this on the podcast last week. I thought they would be ahead most of the time, if not all the time. Uh, but it would never be like this kind of total blowout until the very end. And then, you know, the game was almost out of reach by halftime. Um, I guess that means Maryland uh, is just a better team than Indiana, which would be nice. Um, but and really, I think they just played very well. And maybe FIU wasn't able to adjust uh, what the Terps brought to the table. Let's talk about some of the things from this game. And number one is Perry
0: Hills. And I think somebody said on Twitter, if this is what Perry Hills is really like as a quarterback, then what the heck were we doing with four years of Randy Edsel? Because he looked more like a competent college quarterback Mm -hmm. than ever before. Now, again, he's not – this isn't Josh Rosen or Lamar Jackson levels of amazing, right? But this is – it's Perry Hills, and he had been – Strangely, I mean, incompetent for a while, but on Friday, Alec, uh, Alex, Ryan, you see where I'm going with this? I keep thinking Alex is on the show when he's not. Sorry. Ryan, is that the best Perry Hills has ever played at Maryland?
1: Um, I mean, I wasn't around for his freshman year debacle. Trust me, it was, not better, but, uh, than that. It was I, not better than that. I imagine it was. He, I mean, he excelled at the short passing game, he had the long bomb to dj moore that was just perfect and he really seemed like he did everything well as opposed to against howard he did everything well that was asked of him but that was really only throwing within five yards to the line of scrimmage uh this time he aired it out when he could and it definitely worked out
0: absolutely it did and i think thomas's deep passing was way better than most of us thought the touchdown pass to dj moore was great and he had some other throws Uh, well beyond the line of scrimmage that were also really great. And we saw also more trick plays. You know, we saw a couple of well-likely plays. We saw a couple of double reverses, stuff like that. Was that more like the Walt Bell offense we're going to see all season? Because against Howard, it's clear they kept tricks from going public.
2: Well, I think to answer the first part of your question, um, you know, Walt Bell talked a while ago about how good Perry's deep ball was. And we didn't see it against Howard. And, I mean, we saw it a little in the spring game, but, of course, you know, that was the spring game. And so then he busts it out in the first half against FIU, and it's like this perfect pass to DJ Moore. And, mm. you know, we're like, okay, okay, you know. And then um, as far as trick plays, you know, we knew we were going to see a little bit of Will Likely. Um, you know, what, what we saw of him in this game wasn't sort of crazy, but the... The D.J. Moore pass to Perry Hills. They said they had run that a few times in practice, and D.J. Moore was always under-throwing Perry Hills. Um, but this time, you know, he put a little more on it, hit him in the chest, and uh, it was a, I believe, 21-yard gain.
0: That was in the red zone, too, so it was incredibly impressive. Quickly on the running game, it was still – it was very good. I think the most impressive out of all the running backs was obviously Lorenzo Harrison's touchdown run on his first carry. I think the running game's much more of the same, but – You know, we we saw, Ryan, how effective this running game could be rotating backs in and out all the time in almost every different play. Uh, The running game is still the strength of this team, and against better teams, it's going to become a weapon when you have so many players you can use in different situations, and then you'll have Wes Brown coming back by Big Ten play.
1: Yeah, I think this was sort of the, so far, and, you know, obviously only through two games, this has kind of been the best-case scenario that you've got, you know, five or however many running backs all playing as well as could as could have been expected. Um, we didn't see as much Jake Funk in the last game, and I think when Wes Brown comes back, you can expect Jake Funk to sort of fade into the background a little bit. Not that he'll be gone entirely, but that it'll be... I mean, because there's still, even with an offense that moves as fast as Walt Bells does, there's still only so many people you can give the ball to. So I think West Brown will come back, and it'll probably be a rotation of him. Um, I, they have to like what Lorenzo Harrison's doing, and even even if the teams they're playing are poor tacklers or just not a, not as good on defense or what have you, uh, you know, that 40-yard touchdown that he had the other day was pretty good. So I imagine he'll be in there, and then uh, Trey Edmonds and Kenneth Goins are still going to be big deals oh and obviously ty johnson but um i think there is that's going to be the rotation and i think it's we we, we're probably all going to try to say this person's going to get the ball like you know try to try to divide it up percentage wise but i imagine it'll be different every game um yeah i think the just the running game in general was pretty good again i'm interested
0: to see how that'll have
1: how that'll work against ccf
0: Situationally based, based on the different types of defenses Maryland's going to play and the types of teams that they're going to play. Quickly, Thomas, we did not see Tyrell Pigrome until late in the third of the fourth quarter. We all assumed there was going to be a dedicated package of plays for him, and there wasn't. He was also way less impressive against FIU than he was against Howard. This really isn't that surprising, but I think that pumps the brakes a bit on the Tyrell Pigrome hype train that might have been a bit crazy after his week one performance when he got extended action against a very bad team. But there's no doubt he can offer something to the Terps in certain situations. But what we might have expected after the Howard game is probably going to be taken down a few notches after Friday.
2: Yeah, I mean, Walt Bell said, you know, throughout the week that Perry Hills is a starter. Um, Tyrell Pigram is probably the number one backup, um, even though we've got five quarterbacks on the depth chart right now. But, you know, with, you said that Pigram will probably be yeah, first guy in if something happens. Yeah, um, it sounds
0: like it. You know,
2: we didn't see a ton of him. He didn't look that great uh, in this game. And it's it's clear, you know, he's still not comfortable Division one passer, which you wouldn't expect from a true freshman. Um, but he's definitely still a, the explosive athlete that we knew he was. And um, it'll be interesting to see, yeah, if if we see him against UCF and what we see from him when he comes in.
0: Let's quickly move over to the defense. Ryan, I know you want to talk about the rush defense, but I want to talk about J.C. Jackson who played despite uh, his academic issue that I was surprised got resolved as quickly as it did. And we saw why J.C. Jackson was as hyped as he was because he had one pass thrown his way that was completed and it was a ball that was underthrown because of the rain. He couldn't adjust to it. Other than that, he was pretty much locked down. Again, this is FIU. They've got some good players. Jonu Smith is an interesting tight end that plays as a wide receiver, but Jackson was great. And with Will Likely playing a lot more in the slot now with Andy Boo's defense, Jackson is basically the number one corner, and he's going to be going up against the best receivers for every team. And as we get deeper into Big Ten play, that's going to become a pretty big area of concern for the Terps, and J.C. Jackson has stepped up really well. Already, I can't wait to watch him against better, better teams because he might be doing even bigger and better things against those better teams and get noticed more for it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think um, Alex wrote something before he left about um, how he changes Maryland's defense, and he has to give everyone a, like a sense of confidence that you can put Will Likely in the nickel corner and that Alvin Hill and Jackson can still lock down on the edges and it's, I think it's just interesting that this was the secondary was the position that we all thought was, we had no idea what was going to happen after last year. You figured Darnell Savage was going to be the starting corner up opposite. Uh, well, likely and who knew this, who the safeties were going to be. And now all of a sudden it seems like one of the more sure units on the team. Um, and yeah, I'm, I expect it to be a pretty big strength um, you know, I think it'll more come down to what can we get out of the defensive line this season. I think that'll be that. That might end up being the biggest question.
0: Mm-hmm. I completely agree with you. And jumping on that point, Thomas is the rush defense, which a lot of people have some concerns about, and I think rightly so. There was a lack of pressure on the quarterbacks against Howard, and in this game, the rush defense wasn't particularly good. Now, I think some of it's a misnomer because they were playing a true freshman quarterback that runs a lot. Uh, kind of like Tyrell pigrome in a way. But the rush defense was certainly concerning, especially on that one drive where they just got gashed. And, again, in the Big Ten, you're playing against teams that can run the football really well. Uh, what's your level of concern for the defensive line in the run game?
2: Um, I would want to see one more kind of lackluster performance before I kind of, you know, talk about skies falling and things like that. I- I'm not exactly sure. Um, you know, what to make of these two games um, and how much of it is just kind of maybe not going 110% just because they know who they're playing and what the score is. Um, I know, obviously, Durkin and Co. wouldn't stand for not giving 110% when you're on the field. But, um, yeah, I don't know exactly. Um, I'll, I'll need to watch the you know some more tape on that uh, just to see, you know, if it's something that's like, you know. Just they're not good enough on that front, or if it's some schematically that FIU was doing.
0: Ryan, do you? I mean, the defensive line is not generating nearly the same sort of pass rush that they had been able to do in years past, and obviously with the attrition at that unit, that's not to be all that much of a surprise to anybody. But they weren't great against the run last year, but the defensive line is slowly becoming an area of greater concern when we thought this was going to be an area where Maryland was going to be set because they have veteran personnel, they've all played. And we thought that they could replace the Yannick Ngakwe's, the Andre Monroe's of years back, the Quinton Jefferson's of the world without much incident. But it turns out that they're having a bit more trouble with it than we might have thought initially.
1: Yeah. um, You know, I'm not sure what's behind it. And again, you know, it's going to need, like Thomas said, we're going to need more than a, a poor performance against UCF, to uh, against FIU, to uh, properly evaluate this defense. But, um, yeah, I mean, we all thought that uh, run defense should be a strength. Bill Connelly even said that in his Maryland preview because you got three – you got four people in uh, Yukondu, Opara, David Shaw, and Adam McLean who are all above 300 pounds, which – You know, against a team that is not a power five team, that'll usually make a pretty big difference. But uh, I don't know. I think there's still that defensive tackle position is definitely one that you know you could see some improvement in throughout the throughout the season. And the fact that Maryland has pretty nice depth at that defensive tackle position because I mean, Savon Walker ended up being the starter when none of us even really paid much attention to him, and. He's not even one of the four guys I listed. So I think, I, I don't know. I think there's reason, there's some reason for hope just based on the amount of talent that they have at that position. But uh, yeah, what, for, as for what they did wrong against FIU, I couldn't tell you.
0: And I don't think that they played that badly aside from one or two drives where they weren't great, Thomas. And it's not like the defense was that poor. I mean, they got a pick six. They forced turnovers. They really forced FIU into a three and outs, and then they got a couple of that opening drive of the fourth down stop was really, really good for them, and Jermaine Carter Jr. is still amazing. But there are definitely signs to be concerned about for defenses, and FIU is not a good enough team to exploit them, but – Maybe UCF and Purdue aren't either, and I expect that to be the case. But when you get down the line and into the tougher games, <laughs> namely Penn State, uh, you have to have somewhat of a semblance of a run defense if you want to pull upsets. And I, I have a fear that Saquon Barkley is going to feast on kind of the stuff that Maryland didn't do well against FIU.
2: That is a valid fear. With uh, the run defense, there, um, That those couple drives you were mentioning where he had um, – I thought he was running back had about a 55-yard first through the middle, and then he uh, scored from four yards out, untouched on the very next play. I thought that was kind of the real sort of eye opener for all of us. I lo- um, their second half actually run defense was very good, um, you know, but it didn't really matter as much. And we had already written that it was kind of looking a little suspect. The first half stats weren't good. I think we'll need a you know a slightly larger sample, one to two more games against you know slightly better teams. And I think maybe then we'll be able to evaluate you know, really what to expect when they go up against... Saquon Barkley should be the first real big test for them.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's get now into South uh, South Florida. UCF. There's so many teams in the state of Florida that I'm mixing them all up. And Maryland's, it feels like, has played pretty much all of them in the last couple of years sans actual Florida. But anyway, uh, UCF is the next opponent, and they got boat raced by Michigan, as you would expect... And Scott Frost, who was formerly Oregon's offensive coordinator, and we know what Oregon was known for in the past, which was absolutely insane offense, uh, he said that his team was more physical than Michigan. I kind of highly doubt that. uh, But what's your general feeling heading into this game? UCF last year, uh, Ryan, was winless. They were absolutely dog crap all season. And now this year they shut out their FCS opponent, South Carolina State. They get destroyed by one of the best teams in the country. So I don't think we really have an accurate gauge as to how good this team is. And for them, this is probably their best test mm. of the season thus far. And in that way, it kind of makes this game harder than FIU to prognosticate because at least with FIU, they played a team that we know very well uh, and is on Maryland's level. We haven't seen that with the Knights, and therefore, I, I kind of have a less of an idea of what's going to happen in this game.
1: Yeah, um, I'm I'm with you here in that I don't totally know what's going to happen. I will say uh, Bill Connolly's percentile performance for at UCF against Michigan uh, said they were still played in the 76th percentile despite getting um, blown out. And if you check Maryland, they also played in the 76th percentile in their game against UCF. So um, I think that is, a, that is a fun, interesting stat. No, who knows no, how much it means, not me. Go ahead.
0: But I, I love Bill Connolly, but don't you think that kind of because of the opponent, you know, the number, which is exactly the same, doesn't really mean much? Because, like, you could play 76th percentile against a really crappy team, and that means you didn't beat them by 50. But if you're in the 76th percentile as a team like UCF against Michigan, who is now number four in the country – that might mean not getting blown out by fifty. So I mean, it's it's kind of a weird comparison to make. But anyway, you can continue. I mean,
1: it that is uh, I mean, that is possibly a valid point. But I'd say I mean, all these stats are opponent opponent adjusted, so that should like alleviate at least some of those concerns. Um, but yeah, I think it's um, it's again like Maryland should win and. I think it's it's a nice, logical step um, in their season in that uh, UCF still is, you know, worse than Maryland. Uh, S&P puts them at 98th in the country, while Maryland is sitting comfortably at 50. So um, 50's it's... 50's not bad. Not bad. They finished last year around 67, I want to say. Um, and I think it's... It's a nice, it's a nice last game before Big Ten play because it'll address the strengths, it'll it'll address um, the, their strengths and weaknesses, sort of, because they have a really strong run game and UCF has shown to be a pretty good run defense so far, and they just struggled against the run and UCF runs the ball pretty well, so in a way, this could end up being a pretty big test.
0: And I think in many ways, Thomas, uh, <laughs> I, I saw some stuff from the press conferences recently, and it said that Maryland is in a good place to play a team like UCF because they run very similar tempo offense so it's essentially like practicing against yourself which of course Maryland does all the time so they're not going to get fooled by the offense at least on defense and it's a better test for the offense because it turned out that FIU was a little bit more wet tissue
2: paper than we thought I mean FIU's defense um Walt Bell talked today uh Wednesday being about really how physical they were I mean they did a pretty good job against michigan's runs running attack and um you know the whole you know they were more physical than michigan thing that might that's not as far-fetched as you think i mean it might not be like 100 correct but um you know they're, they're definitely going to be a physical defense um and the offense yeah will be up tempo um there is question about whether we'll see uh senior quarterback justin holman um Mm-hmm. Although they'll they'll probably run the ball a lot either way.
0: Like I'm looking yeah. at the Much stats. Look I'm looking at the stats for Holman right now. He's in two games. Of 17 for 39 for 212 yards and two touchdowns. Like as a as a team, they have thrown for 329 yards. Ah, uh, 321, excuse me, in two games. That's nothing in college football. So if Mar- I mean, in theory, then Ryan, if Maryland could stop the run, then they're in good shape.
1: In theory that is correct. Uh, yeah. Nope. My, that's that. that's pretty much it. I think I think if Maryland does a good job of stopping the run, there's just like a one hundred percent chance that they win this game. Uh, and I think it's certainly not a given that they don't do well stopping the run. But uh, we'll we'll have to see. It's just it's it's weird with the small sample size with this team, um, and the general idea that they went terrible against the run last year, I don't think. And the new scheme, we don't, we just like, I feel like there's just so many unknowables here.
0: Again, it's against, Maryland's played against two teams that aren't particularly good, and UCF has played one team that they were clearly better than, and one team that they (coughs) were clearly inferior to. So we kind of don't really know the level of either team yet, which definitely, I guess, hurts our ability to prognosticate. And I mean, UCF for some is, they're not going to be a terrible team, but they're certainly not probably on the level of the middle range Big Ten teams Maryland's going to play upcoming. Uh, Ryan, who are some players that you want to see some more from in this game? Because against FIU we saw DJ Moore become DJ Moore again and he was awesome. And Jermaine Carter Jr. had a ridiculously good game. So Maryland's big players stepped up, but are there other players you want to see stepping up uh, in this game?
1: Um, I'd like to see Jesse Annabonum sort of... uh, He uh, is a very important part of this defense as the buck and kind of the big pass rusher. So I'd like to see him, I'd like to see him step up a little bit more, I guess. Um, you'd like to see maybe a Ty Johnson have a big game uh, as a running back. And this is going to be like his toughest test until, until a couple weeks when Maryland plays Penn state. But uh, yeah, I think, um, I, I think those are, those are the two big ones. I'm, you know, obviously looking forward to see some more J.C. Jackson, see what that looks like. Uh, but those are those are really – those are the big ones, in my opinion.
0: Although, let's be honest, J.C. Jackson might not have all that much to do based on how UCF has passed the ball in their first couple of games, to be fair. That is true. Uh, I'm just looking at some stats that I can see, and I see UCF has fumbled the ball five times and lost it four of them which I guess is good for Maryland in terms of forcing turnovers. They've been very clean with the ball offensively. That's one thing we've noticed. Even if they haven't been crazy explosive, Thomas, we've seen no turnovers in the first two games, and I can't remember the last time Maryland's offense did that. And keeping everything effectively like that, I think, is is really positive for them. But who are some players that you want to see step up?
2: Obviously Ty Johnson. Um, we, We talked about that. I think he's easily the biggest weapon they have Uh, in the backfield right now Uh, we haven't seen him you know go full Ty Johnson yet I I think we're due Um, on the defensive side you know actually yeah what Ryan said Jesse Annabonum um, you know we we really need to see him uh, in the backfield more I think just kind of sort of establishing himself and maybe maybe not it's a coincidence that I've written about both of these guys so you know as like going to be these really important players and I'd really like to see more out of him, just you know, on a selfish note.
0: A coincidence. Are you sure? Oh, totally. Anyway, uh, I want to say about Ty Johnson, do we really need to see Ty Johnson go fully as to what we expect he can do when you have four different running backs that are going to play? You know, Because Lorenzo Harrison is doing a lot of the things in many ways that we expect Ty Johnson to do.
1: I mean, we don't need to, but, like, it'd still be
0: fun. Well, of course it would be fun, but I'm saying now that with this being the last game of West Brown's suspension and we're going to fully presume that they're going to see five running backs in Big Ten play, do we need to see any one be that much of a cut above everybody else? Again, no, Maryland had no, the I, ability I don't, to I, do so.
1: I, I don't think uh, there's any one thing that any running back has to prove in this game. I think we've seen a lot so far. Um, I think this uh, generally as a unit, I think they just need to – sort of keep it up or not have a bad game against this team. You know, like if it will be interesting to see eventually if the running if Maryland <coughs> sorry. Got a little bit of cold here. If Maryland's ground game eventually eventually when they don't have a great rushing performance, then what what happens? Can the pass can the passing offense make up for it?
0: Yeah, I'm looking at some of the UCF stats. They're right now seventh in um the American in offense, which is not much. Let's be honest. That's not very. That's not very exciting. And I, again, I think Maryland can win this game uh, defensively, of course. But the the biggest, I guess, the biggest concern, I think for me is is the unknown. And also, it's the second straight game on the road, and you don't play many back-to-back road situations, Thomas, in college football. It's a lot of alternating home and away, and two straight games on the road. That's definitely tricky. And I think because it's a night game, it's a different environment. I don't think Maryland's ever played at UCF before. Uh, that could definitely throw a bit of a wrench into the situation, don't you think?
2: I mean, again, that's also valid. But, the uh, you know, they did just the same thing last, last week. I think, you know, the, even though it's a Saturday game instead of a Friday game, you know, I think that actually just helps them. You know, teams play Saturday night games all the time. It's... uh you know, they've been in the state. It's not, you know, obviously Orlando and Miami aren't that close to each other geographically. But just the idea of, you know, we're in Florida, we're on the road, um, but it's against a team we can beat. I think uh, Durkin and that coaching staff will really have this team ready. I don't think it should be an issue. I don't
0: think it's going to be an issue either. But you kind of look for talking points when you're clearly not as prepared about. The team Maryland is playing as they should be. Uh, quickly, since we have a little bit of time, can we talk about uh, how Penn State lost to Pittsburgh and it was amazing? Because that was that, pretty amazing.
1: I will say that the uh, Maryland that Penn State now becomes easily Maryland's most like that's that's the biggest game of the season. Like uh, we we're, we're not going to go ahead and talk about Maryland's chances of beating Penn State because right now they still don't look great, but. Uh, that game's gonna be that uh, that game's gonna be exciting. If Maryland does somehow beat Penn State, I mean Build the
0: statue already. That's build the statue. Uh, oh, and James, you basically, James Franklin, the, James the bad Franklin thing about that out of is there. is James Franklin would be fired if Maryland beats him. That's kind yeah, of the sad part. I, I think that's probably a reality.
1: Um, but
0: that... I mean, that if can, they do it, win that, can, that can, game, then like, it is sorry. very much sorry again for interrupting, but it is not just a theory anymore, it is entirely plausible that they would finish fourth in the Big Ten East.
1: Yeah. Which is absolutely to amazing. Yeah, and I mean in DJ Durkin's first season, that makes him pretty much Jesus.
0: I mean making I mean basically him finishing seven and five or six and six is good enough for most of yeah. us. So then you know, I mean I know I know we shouldn't be thinking about Penn State when that game's October eighth and there's a long way to go between now and then. But y- you can't help but start thinking about it now.
1: But- yeah, and hey, I mean, you can you can think about it. Why not? It's it's what it's what we're here for. I think, um, you know, the team's still only two and zero. They've beat two teams that are clearly not very good, and uh, you know, we can we can speculate around about the whatever happens in the season. That's you know, we that, that's that's our job. But uh, you know, we just got to keep in mind that. Who, who knows? Who knows what could happen?
0: There's a long way to go uh, for these situations. I, I guess I, well, to finish up, since we're kind of struggling to stretch the show out a little bit, we've got maybe a minute or two left, is there anything in the overall college football season, focused on the Big Ten, I guess, that is jumping out to you, Ryan? Because, again, we got to focus a little bit on the Big Ten, and Maryland's three Big Ten West opponents are Minnesota, who's largely in the same position the Terps are, Purdue, who is awful, And Nebraska, who is, again, we kind of don't know how good they are yet. Uh, And then the rest of the Big Ten. I mean, Ohio State, Michigan, is they're basically where they should be. But Ohio State's playing Oklahoma this weekend. Um, Michigan State's at Notre Dame. So, I I don't know. Is the Big Ten going to come back down to earth? And are we going to start to see? Like, it's going to be weird because if Maryland does win and Ohio State, one of Ohio State and Michigan State loses, Maryland's ahead of them. Ooh, well.
1: I mean That'll I don't, don't really have ever. any uh No,
0: I know I, I, it won't, but still, come on.
1: I don't have any like giant takeaways. I was I didn't get to watch as much football as I wanted. This weekend I was actually at my cousin's wedding. Oh,
0: but um, that's a good reason to not watch some horrible college football. It
1: was it was weird because, you know, this weekend was supposed to be terrible and then it ended up being pretty pretty exciting.
0: Uh
1: or at least no no worse no worse than your average week weekend of college football I'd say. Oh, wow. Um yeah, I I don't know. I'm very excited to watch Ohio State-Oklahoma this weekend.
0: When you're not that, watching the Maryland game because it's at the same time. Well, you know, I'll uh, multitask. That's, That's what commercial breaks for, right? Uh, oh, and picture-in-picture and in picture in DVR. Look, oh, DVR's yeah. sporting events anymore. I, I don't know. Anyway, uh, there's, there's quite a bit of good stuff in football. Uh, also good stuff in other sports. Men's <laughs> soccer's playing very well. That's always good to hear about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll have to.
1: I mean, we can always have uh, a yeah. We will at some point nice
0: non-revenue people on the podcast.
1: I think especially once we get to the uh, get to the playoffs because men's soccer could make could go deep this season.
0: I I know I love Maryland men's soccer. I didn't go to as many games as I should have, but I've always been a huge fan of that team for my side passion as being a soccer journalist, quote unquote. Anyway, um,
1: also I will make a quick plug. I realized September thirtieth. Uh, St. John's uh, plays Dematha high school football. You should probably go to that game if you have nothing else to do because that's going to be really good.
0: September 30th is a Friday, of course, and of course. you should definitely go watch that because basically all of Maryland's recruiting is going to be on the field in that game. Yes. One way they, or the other. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. We, how many Dematha mentions did we hear on a uh, Friday night when Lorenzo Harrison made plays?
2: I, I've oh, never heard a, a, a high
0: school, a specific high school, mentioned that much once during a uh, at Maryland game. You
1: know well, this is kind of what, this is, you know, Maryland's got to capitalize it, on it essentially because you get the four recruits in one class and then you want to make it at least, you want to make it four recruits every class probably. So, you know, anytime anytime someone does, uh, does well from DeMatha, you can guarantee we'll all be hearing about it, oh, which, which is good. Will.
0: And uh, again, for Maryland fans, this weekend, game 7 o'clock, Saturday night, CBS Sports Network. So uh, do what you did on Friday is basically my biggest piece of advice to you. And know that Maryland probably won't be on CBS Sports Network again for a very long time. Knowing, knowing, Knowing what I know about college football TV contracts, and I shouldn't know as much as I do, Maryland does not play a team that would require them to be on CBS Sports Network next season, which I guess is really good might be on Fox a lot more. That's a thing that could definitely happen. But Fox, be on has, Fox has
1: live streams, so we're good.
0: Fox has live streams that are more difficult to access, as I found out today, with soccer-related things. But that is not a big deal, and you shouldn't care about that. But anyway, thank you both for being on the show and giving us the insight that you always do. Ryan, it's been a pleasure. It's
1: been always a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, i got to deal with you more now because you're running the you're running the ship. You're running the show.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you know, Alex Alex will still be around doing some stuff, but, uh... He'll be yeah, back for on the this show soon for those, For those of you who don't know, Alex is, has a full-time job at SB Nation now. He's now mm-hmm. a, uh, contributing editor, and I'm the managing editor with Thomas and Matt Ellentark are the assistant managing editors, so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's gonna be a fun time.
2: How happy are you with your promotion, Thomas? Well, I'm excited, um... You know, it's it's one of those things that you hate to get promoted a way like that because someone else left, but um, it is what it is. And, you know, I'm excited to keep going forward. Yep. Always
0: good to see that. And it'll be great. We're not losing any quality here with this these guys. They're all great, and we're replacing everybody. and We're all friends here, so we're all happy to see each other get good get promotions and get to do good work and see their good work go elsewhere. And that's the same with Alex. He'll be back on the show, and hopefully – A few more paces from the past might be back on this podcast eventually in the Mm. near-term future. Uh, Anyway, this has been a great show. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the game Saturday night. But, of course, go Terps.